Yeah, Super, we'll thank you. Cool. Okay, so uh, thank you everybody for hopping on today uh, with United Talk from Virginia United. Uh, our guest speaker within the segment that we have today is Kimberly Lowe. And uh, Kimberly, if you would like to uh, introduce yourself and kind of let everybody know uh, specifically what you're doing, um, and we'll just roll, roll with that. Yeah, my name is Kimberly Lowe, L-O-W-E. I'm running for U.S. Congress in Virginia's 9th Congressional District. That is now Roanoke County, the southern portion, part of Bedford County, Franklin County, and it goes all the way down to Bristol. So it's basically deep southwest Virginia. I'm a sixth generation southwest Virginian. I've been a public school teacher. I've been a farmer. And for years now, I have been working on the national and state level to push policy and write policy that helps strengthen the American family. So I'm very passionate about making sure that we save our families because there's a lot of policies that's hurting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's, it's almost uh, overwhelming um, with, with just all the different variables currently that are going on. I was watching, um, I think it was Nick Freitas the other day addressing um some issues going on with Loudoun County. And uh, I think there are six or seven other schools uh, districts currently that are going against um, the executive orders that uh, our new governor uh, put into play and they want an office with uh, mandating masks for our children. And, you know, just, that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg between that and different things being taught from critical race theory to uh, activism and, and, and personally, in my opinion, just full blown anarchy. Um, there are many, many different obstacles that uh, are, we're all kind of, as parents anyway, are going to be kind of fighting against. And I think Governor Youngkin has a uphill battle for him, um, definitely. But uh, from what I've seen, it seems to be that he's doing a decent job. And I know Jason Myers is doing a pretty good job too. I think uh, if I remember correctly, within this first week, he fired, what, 30, 30 different individuals that were, you know, on school boards. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what the number was. And I know that's an uphill battle for everyone, but uh, so specifically, go, go ahead. The over that we've had with the governor's seat, et cetera, has really given a lot of people hope. I know a lot of people in Virginia had lost hope. The seat that I'm running for is a solid red Republican seat. Morgan Griffith actually got districted out, but he plans on running again, but he's never had the southern portion of Roanoke County or Bedford or Franklin. And I'm running because America is literally in its last hour. Every single part of government has been compromised from the State Department to the CIA, to the FBI, to the court system, to the Department of Education, to the IRS. Basically, the government has become a communist predatory organization that is hurting the American people. Uh, it is a false notion that we have freedom. You can see so many people in America being falsely arrested as political prisoners, and we have got to take our country back. And right now in Congress, there's way too many people who don't have any kahunas who are just laying down to what's happening instead of being loud. And I'm going to be the person that gets in to be loud and who turns the tables over. And we need that. Everyone is really tired of get along, 
get along, go along politicians who are just coasting their seat out. We don't need that anymore. It is it is literally the last hour of our republic and we've got to do something. So I would really like to be able to talk about some of my policy initiatives and plans for the 9th Congressional District for Virginia. And I'd also like to talk about the border issues. I just came back from the Texas-Mexico border. I was there for several weeks. I didn't go down there for a photo op. I did very dangerous things so I could actually see what was happening. Uh, as far as the border is concerned, right now we have an open border policy. What that has done has brought millions of people into America that we are taking care of with our taxpayer dollars. We are letting in people with all sorts of illnesses. We are letting in the cartel and gangs like MS-13. We are allowing in terrorists because there isn't proper vetting. So people uh, in a lot of the lower southern countries, it's actually 150 countries who have been crossing over into the United States at the border because of this open border policy. A lot of families are spending everything that they have to get through the Dorian Gap. They get to the southern Mexico border right there at Guatemala. There the United Nations is giving them basically kind of a debit card to live off of. The Mexican government has given them a QR code and phones and they keep them there for a little while. They bust them all the way to the north of Mexico and from there those individuals have to pay the cartel to cross the river to come into America. These people are indebted to the cartel. Some of them show up without enough money um, and they end up having their family members killed that are still there. The children and babies end up getting drugged with a lethal dose of Zoloft. So that way, a lot of them are not with it all at all when they're crossing the river. And there's a lot of children who are drowning and not making it across. A lot of people are drowning and not making it across. They are having to act as drug mules and carrying drugs across. In the Valley region, which is like McAllen, Brandsville, La Jolla area, um, there, there's a lot of different cartels and the cartels are always evolving and morphing and what so, they do mm -hmm. real quick. Sorry to interrupt. So, so explain to the audience, what do you think, or why do you think this is occurring? You know, what are the motives here as to why this is, is happening and then being allowed so people have a better understanding of, of what exactly is going on? There were a couple of women in the Biden administration that helped push this policy. Maybe in their mind, they thought that it was the nice thing to do because there's a very left viewpoint that um, these people are coming over because they have a plight from their communist country and they need to come into America. But in actuality, a lot of people are coming because of the open border policy, they're coming for economic reasons, not because they're on plight from the politics in their country. I've asked a lot of experts the same question. Why is it that we have an open border policy? What is the end goal? You know, is the end goal to bring over low level workers? Is the end goal to completely destroy the American economy? No one has the real answer to that. But those individuals who were very involved with this policy have now stepped out of the picture, thank goodness, because 
what people on the left need to see is that making people um, indebted to the cartel is not humane. Making people cross a river and drown. And for example, a lot of uh, younger females are being put on birth control because it's very likely that they're going to be raped on their journey. A lot of people are raped and murdered on their journey. A lot of women are covering themselves in feces to try to prevent from being raped. That is not a humane way to enter a country. There has to be some type of immigration law reform. And quite honestly, again, these people are coming up for economic reasons. So the cartel, and there are multiple ones, it's always ever-changing and morphing. And in the Valley region, which is the east side of Texas region, they all identify their people crossing over by different colored wristbands. Some of them pay up to $10,000 to cross. They have three opportunities to cross. A lot of times they send them over in small bands. Um, and it's really difficult for Border Patrol because it's estimated, estimated around 50% of Border Patrol is just basically shuffling paperwork right now. And there's only a couple of people out there at the border in different locations. And what they do is they go out and get them they process them, which means they take any jewelry they have, they take shoestrings so people don't get hurt because it's happened in the past. They put them on a government funded bus. They go to a facility where they are then processed and under uh, different codes that we have, Border Patrol has discretion as to whether they go back. Now, all of them have been trained to say, we are here for political asylum when we know that is not actually the case. Um, it's about 59% uh, who are actually sent back. And you can see them crossing port of entry bridges all night long. And it's said that over 50% of those people who cross back into Mexico are kidnapped. And Border Patrol is trying to send the women over during the daylight so it's safer. Um, but the issue is you've got Border Patrol, going out, getting a group, processing them. They're doing this all night long, and they cannot get the numbers that are currently coming across. We know um, that there's been about 2 million who have tried to enter, and, um, and then some have gone back and tried to reenter. Those are what those uh, 2 million numbers are. But some people have estimated that 5 million have entered our country in the last year. And there's no telling who's coming over. It is a national security issue. It is mm. costing us a lot of money. It is a humanitarian crisis. Um, I was able to make it inside of some NGOs. And um, it looks like the police or security that was there had cartel tattoos. He was very young. He had a very, very expensive truck. And um, I had become close with a Venezuelan who was volunteering there. And he really wanted to talk to me in private and the security guy wouldn't allow it. And this friend of mine, who's you know, trying to help at the center, he actually doesn't have a host family. He cried and cried and cried because he had become close with, become close with a family from Venezuela. And there was a girl who was 16 and she had been shipped off to San Antonio, and I knew the family was really scared of the host family. 
And he just kept crying over and over and over again saying, she's such a pretty girl, she's such a pretty girl. So we, we don't know how many of these people are being trafficked. No one can answer who are these host families. We know that they are using the same address for a lot of these host families. So again, what the left needs to see is that this is not humane. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. The cartel is running the south of Texas and a lot of businesses. I mean, they keep peace because they send their kids to school on that side. Um, but, it, but it's a big mess. And we are paying for all of this. These people are getting um, money to live on until they have their court date. Many don't show up for their court date. And a lot of them are getting fake IDs. And from there, they can still get public assistance. So, so why do you think the media is not covering this? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, because um, the media is being controlled by a globalist few. So um, we know that most everything is owned only by uh, a handful of people in the entire world. And this money is, is funneling through nonprofits and... Um, uh, different, well, these different nonprofits are like BlackRock. Uh, what's it called? Um, there's a couple of them. There's like four. So we don't mm -hmm. really know who's in control of stuff. But these are the people that own um, everything that's made, all the materials, most of the media outlets. And I have been on the other end of this media. Um, when I was down there at the border, I really got set up. I, I, went pretty much everywhere from the east side of the border all the way to Del Rio, which is a little more west. Um, and I also went uh, to northern places like Laredo, San Antonio, and Austin was able to speak to landowners and ranchers. But um, someone who was a reporter totally set me up and sent me to some place called the National Butterfly Center. And I drove down a public road. I saw border patrol. I said, can we go to the river? And again, I was just trying to see what's happening at, at the border, you know, and, mm -hmm. and there's a lot to see. You can see people crossing, you know, <clears throat> during the day, during the night. Um, there's a lot going on. And the military was there and the military said, you should check in with the National Butterfly Center. Well, I unknowingly walked into something pretty terrible. The National Butterfly Center had sued the Department of Homeland Security, Trump, Steve Bannon, Brian Colfidge over the wall being built. Steve Bannon's The War Room um, was actually named after the war on the border. And they had started a pack called We Build the Wall. And that money went to go help with private funding to finish the wall. Um, the National Butterfly Center, which has $4 million in assets, um, is also raising money to do these lawsuits and has had continuing ones. Um, but what's interesting, Within a week of me being at the National Butterfly Center, they dropped their suit against we, we Build the Wall and Steve Bannon. But I walked into the lobby. Um, there's, there's, it's a building on a 100 acres right there next to the river. And there's a welcome sign. Visitors need to check in. And I told them who I was, um, why I was there. And, you know, I'm happy to pay the entry fee. Is it okay if we walk down to the river? And the boy working at the desk was nice. And um, he went to go get his mom. I was in the bathroom. I was there with a friend. 
and uh, the woman went to go look up my name and she just completely lost it because she saw that I was not of her political party. So uh, she, she cussed us out. Um, it was really horrible. She actually recorded stuff and she edited her recording um, and she followed us out the door. She assaulted me. She took my phone. I was able to get my phone back. She physically held the friend that was with me. And then her son held my friend. I got safely to the car. And then when my friend was able to get away, she followed her to the car, pressed her body against my car so my friend couldn't get in. And she sent her son, who's a minor, to the gate to lock us up. And I'm a single mom. I have my kids with me everywhere. I have this friend with me. Um, to help me with the kids when I do stuff like this. And um, luckily we were able to get out safely and um, I drove myself to the police station to say something's wrong here. And this woman filed a false police report when she couldn't get me for assault because they looked at the video cameras. Um, she's trying to get me for attempted murder of her son who tried to lock us in, completely fake news. And when mm. that didn't work, she contacted the every single media outlet on the left and the left made up so much stuff. So all they care about is sensationalized news that's fake news. They don't care about this country. You know, they care about making money and bringing harm to people. So now I get death threats. I have hate mail every day. People literally think that I assaulted this woman and took her phone. It's fake news. Um, I'm still under a police investigation because of her fake news. Um, and they have no evidence of the stuff she made up. She even she even made up that one of the officials had told her that there was a credible threat to the National Butterfly Center and she had to shut down because the We Stand America rally was going to be in town. And uh, again, it's fake news. So huh. what I'm saying is that the media is controlled. They all have the same narrative. Once a tabloid took off with the story uh, within a week, Tons of news outlets came up with more total nonsense. It was a uh, National Butterfly Center has to shut down because of threats from QAnon. <laughs> wow. I mean, they've lost their minds. But yeah. um, so I would really like to talk about my district a little bit, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and as far as the border is concerned, uh, we have got to have some type of control in the House and in the Senate in order to have common sense border policies, which we had under the Trump administration, it's very fixable with policy and people on the left need to see what's happening. I was one of the few people actually reporting what was happening at the border. I even tracked down drug cartel pass next to the Rio in the middle of the night with an AR. Um, I didn't do the safest stuff, but I actually got to be at ground zero to see what was happening because because the opioid epidemic is the number one killer in America. The ninth congressional district is being destroyed by drugs. What happens is, for example, there's a lot of blue collar workers and there were a lot of coal miners. They had injuries, they went for prescription drugs. And when that ran out, they turned to whatever was on the street. They end up with a felony conviction. They can't get a good job. They lose their children. Their children are taken by the state. One of the things I do is I help people around the country navigate through family court and navigate around issues with child protective services. We're losing one child per minute into child protective services. And in, and in Southwest Virginia is one of the places in the nation where I get the most phone calls. 
it's because there's massive poverty and there's massive drug issues. And the other issue is that there's a policy at the federal level that's making it an incentive to take children from families rather than working on. I'm back. Hey there. So, uh, can I'm ready. <laughs> oh, oh, where you left oh, off? Sorry. No, you're fine. Okay, great. So there, there are federal policies that are hurting our families. Families are always going to have a crisis and poverty is not neglect. And we are actually spending $29 billion of our social security funds, taking children from families rather than working on issues in generational poverty, housing, housing stability, addiction issues, or mental health care access. Um, and that is something that's very fixable. There's a federal policy called the Adoption and Safe Family Act, where money is going into something called Title IV instead of Title IV-B. Title IV-E has the $29 billion that's funneling down to the different states, which is negatively affecting families. And if we can reallocate those funds into Title IV-B, we would have money in order to help our families because we need to start addressing root causes of generational poverty instead of allowing our American citizens to suffer like they are. I am an America first candidate. And what does that mean? It means that we need to start looking at what's happening in America. For example, we have large homeless populations. We're not helping our veterans enough, but we're giving billions of dollars to other countries for some really stupid issues. So investing back into our families is really important. Something that I plan on doing in the district is hiring Stacy Carson, who's the current mayor of Pound, Virginia, that is in Wise. Um, she is going to be in head of community revitalization. She can help me with programs in schools where we can get grant, grant funding so that way we can educate our students about trafficking issues. There's been research done in Virginia schools and in all the schools where the research is done, there have been children who have been trafficked. This is an issue that has not been addressed and there has to be prevention. Further, in these counties in the South, they have developed their own form of governance because they've been left alone for too long. And what has happened is that taxpayer dollars are being embezzled instead of the money being put back into their communities. It's really large amounts of money. I have helped overturn about three city councils. I work closely with one of the mayors to try to help clean this up. But these communities could have a community center. They could have an addiction treatment program. And as far as addiction is concerned, we've got to stop the drugs coming over from the border, which is a policy issue. But we also have to have treatment that is a non-pharma issue. We've got to get people off of Suboxone and we need to get them clean. And we've got to stop taking their kids from them, which is currently happening. What I'm helping with now is I work with some pastors and also some people out West. There's some drug treatment facilities out West where we can send people with their children so they stay together. Research has shown that children who are removed from their parents end up with brain damage. Further, children who go through the foster care system um, end up in jail a lot of times. They don't have any type of family. Um, there's a lot of issues and it's a huge effect on society. And family court issues, which there's very, very few people addressing at all. 
about 10 years ago, the numbers were that more than 22 million American families had been separated due to poor family court decisions. So if there's a custody decision, uh, a, a child sees a mom or a dad or a grandparent again, and it really is a billion dollar industry that is destroying our families. And again, this is a policy issue and we've got to make our families as strong as possible. It, it makes me ill what's happening in these courts. Our courts have been completely compromised at both the civil and the criminal level. Um, it's all very corrupted. The Constitution doesn't exist anymore. We've got to focus on that. Um, I have a lot of different uh, initiatives. Uh, one of them has to do with bringing jobs and housing and food access. Uh, if anyone has been looking for a house recently, you figured out, good luck, everything costs way too much. I'm working with a company that has modular homes. They are very affordable at a cost of $120 per square foot. They have different sizes like 1,200 and 1,500 square foot, but combined with community programs, we can reduce the cost of that. Um, housing affordability is a serious issue right now. I'm also working with someone um, to deal with the food access issue. Uh, a lot of Southwest Virginia is a food desert. I'm working with someone who can bring in greenhouses, but the great thing about the greenhouses is that it can bring in a large number of permanent employees that have a good pay, and that is something that can be going for decades. Um, and you can supply food to your schools. I mean, we've got to start looking at the obesity issues and the health issues in my district, and giving them fresh food is definitely a good option. Mobile health clinics is another thing when we start to talk about health. Um, there's got to be a lot of preventative care. And actually, I've had a nurse reach out to me recently because they are trying to cap the pay for traveling nurses, and it's going to affect preventative health care, which is the last thing that we need to see. Morgan Griffith has been convinced to do something that will be hurting our nurses. Um, so I will be joining forces with those nurses. Um, and also, as far as the opioid epidemic is concerned, Morgan Griffith, who will be running again, uh, just recently introduced the HALT Fentanyl Act. But the problem with that was, is that it was criminalizing the user and it wasn't doing anything to stop the drugs. And, and we have to treat this as a health crisis, not as criminalizing people. That doesn't help the situation at all. And luckily, that failed. So... In all my travels, um, I, was eight, I was able to meet with President Trump a couple times in December. I was invited to Mar-a-Lago for New Year's Eve. And at all of these events, I have met a lot of people who are highly connected, who are able to invest in Virginia. Um, one opens up coffee shops and um, he is happy to come in and take a loss and help me revitalize a lot of these communities that need revitalizing. There's someone else who wants to come in and do some flight schools, but when they do that, they come in and give money um, to different types of uh, things inside the community. Um, education, <laughs> I used to be a public school teacher and we know it is a complete mess. This is something that also has to change at the federal level um, as a public school teacher, I was always amazed how we never had money for education. 
And my students, most of them still could read or write by the time they graduated. And we have got to start training our students to be prepared for jobs for today and also make them competitive. Why are we bringing in people from other countries to take our jobs when we, when we can teach our own children these skills? Um, another big, big issue, Matt, is, and which is also a national security issue, is food security. We have a lot of our farmland being bought up around the nation by foreign interests, and this is going to be an extreme issue. We have got to have policy to fight these lobbyists, start to protect our American farmlands, and make sure that we can produce and sell locally. There's way too much hindering us. I mean, if you drive around Virginia, you can see about 60 head of cattle, um, which is a kind of a normal range, but we are not getting that food to market. And look at the number of hungry people we have. That's very fixable. Mm -hmm. the, so uh -huh. would you say that, that Southwest Virginia has a, a problem as far as with, with drug just usage, distribution, or, you know, I know Galax County, um, they have a rehabilitation center and uh, I'm somewhat intimately familiar because uh, I have a, a family member that went there. And um, from, from what he described to me was that there in, in many pockets in Galax, there were, I guess, areas of disparity and those areas heavily relied on drug usage. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, again, it's the number one killer in America and we're not talking about it. And mm. it needs to be addressed because it's destroying our families. And, and the thing that tugs at my heart is the children that are being affected. And my goal is to make sure that we keep our families together because um, once people lose their kids, you've kind of lost them that, you know, I mean, you've really lost them to drugs and, and they start to kill themselves. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've had out of Southwest Virginia because someone attempted suicide and, uh, you know, it needs to be addressed. And, and I'm really running because I'm, I'm angry about the situation in America. And I'm angry how people are hurting because people just need to show up and have some solutions and create the policy changes and fight for the people. And uh, politics is super duper dirty, you know? Yeah. So, so do you think that uh, with, with, there's a correlation between the education system and drug usage, um, specifically in areas where children are not being educated uh, accordingly or, or up to standards of where they should be educated? I, I don't know what statistics are. I think our education system is bad because of federal ideas on education. Uh, when I was a public school teacher in Roanoke and actually in Roanoke City Schools, I was forced to change my grades. I was told my expectations were too high. I know that they were falsifying their SOL scores for federal funding. We were teaching to test and not actually teaching. And I taught grades six through 12 and these kids were not prepared for anything when they exited. Um, hmm. I feel like I went to a good school. I went to uh, the Roanoke County schools I think I learned a lot. I think they were pretty good, but the kids uh, in these lower income housing projects area areas are, are struggling and they have a hard home life. And 
that's another vicious cycle of generational poverty because why would you want to leave your home if your parents live in the projects and your grandparents live in the projects? And, right. you know, I had students come to me, Miss Lowe, um, I don't need to learn this. I can have a baby and I can stay at home. And, um, and that's hmm. sad. It's, it's a system that we have to end. But um, so domestic violence is another issue that is not being addressed. There are a lot of policies that need to be amended. Um, domestic violence doesn't always mean physical abuse. A lot of it is coercive control. And many people get their credit destroyed by their abuser and they're unable to obtain housing. Um, it kind of destroys their life. So one of the policies I wanna introduce is credit repair for um, survivors of domestic violence. And then also the Violence Against Women Act needs to include boys and girls because it doesn't include minors and boys are also assaulted um, physically and sexually and they grow up to be abusers themselves. So yeah. that's something that is dark and isn't discussed. And there's also something called the Lautenberg Amendment which needs to be amended. Um, election integrity, I'm moving on to election integrity. We can't talk about election integrity until we clean it up in the party. Um, party politics is so dirty. I, I have I have struggled my way through the Republican Party. I have never been the one pat on the back. I have worked really hard. I got involved in politics in 2014 at the local level. It was actually when I was in seventh grade that I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to be in Congress. It was one of my life goals and uh, I ended up doing a lot of other things. And um, I joined the Republican Party in 2019, but you know, not all committees open up their, their arms at all to people. And um, we are not going to grow conservative values as long as we continue to be dysfunctional. And I do think with the Youngkin campaign that people really came together and I'm thankful for that. So I'm hoping that um, members of the party will try to start opening up their arms to grow the party because we are gonna lose this country if we don't stand up for our values and if we mm. try to push people out of the party. I mean, I tried running for a state seat. I was blocked heavily. They can make your life miserable. I mean, I was running for a year and a half for a state delegate seat and they started to remove me from committees for no reason at all, except that they just wanted someone else in. And uh, it's just really, really dirty. I, I've been blocked a lot and I'm still standing. I have climbed my way up to the top where I am in circles with President Trump and others. And I'm doing that because too many people in America are suffering and we are at the last hour. We have a government that that is pretty much a tyrannical communist government right now. And we have to take back our country and just coasting along is not going to work. And Morgan Griffith, who's rerunning, you know, he's been in politics for 27 years. If you haven't fixed it in that amount of time, it's really time to go home and have some fresh blood in, please. So we've got to protect our freedoms, stop these mandates, fight for our Second Amendment rights. You know, I'm a gun owner. Actually, I have a really cool banner of me with my AR that says um, Kimberly Lowe sticks to her guns. Um, so we have to fight for our rights. What is happening 
today in America is out of the communist playbook. It has been going on for decades. They overtake your school and your education, which they've been doing. last hour in America and we've got to stand up to save our freedoms. America is the last stand around the world and we are almost gone. So the people in Southwest Virginia cannot wait two more years for me to get in. The people in this nation cannot wait for me to get in. People around the nation are calling me uh, all day long from everywhere because their children have been taken by the state or they've lost their children through the court system. That is a communist tyrannical government and it's here and we have got to save America. So if you wanna learn more about me, you can go to my website, which needs serious updating at www.kimberlylow.com. I'm running for Congress in Virginia's ninth congressional district and I have a lot of plans to help save America and I will not be the quiet one and I will fight for all of us and our values. Excellent. Kimberly, thank you so much for coming on and I've enjoyed uh, hearing your story and hearing a little bit more about you and uh, look forward to, to speaking with you more in the future and uh, good luck with everything going on. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Matt. And thanks, Thank everybody you, else. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.